0: Down to football with your host Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. What is going on, guys? It is down to football. Back with another episode. Hope everyone is doing well on this fine Tuesday. Weather is starting to get a bit gloomy, but it is what it is. It is that time of year. But during this time of year, obviously, we have football, and we just concluded week 8, and the trade deadline will be hitting at 4 o'clock today, so we will see what goes down. I'm going to get this podcast in before the trade deadline goes down because there are a couple of things I want to talk about that are worth noting for the trade deadline, what I think is going to happen, but we will get there eventually. But for right now, let's jump right into our recap, our three usual games. And for this week, we had some crazy ones happen. So the first one I got is the Titans versus the Colts. Unfortunately, I had the Colts upsetting, and they fall just short. Titans win 34-31. to Ryan Tannehill has an okay day. Goes 23 for 33 with 265 yards. Three touchdowns, two interceptions, did add 26 rushing yards. The story of this game is Derrick Henry, mostly shut down. He had 28 carries for 68 yards, but we know he suffered a foot injury and will be undergoing surgery, likely to miss the rest of the season. Very, very slight chance that he comes back, so we will monitor that as the season goes along. But the playmaker in this game was A.J. Brown, compiling nearly (laughs) three-fifths. Of Ryan Tannehill's yards with 10 catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. Crazy day from him. Doing amazing out there in Tennessee without Julio Jones active. Jeff Swaim had four catches for 23 yards and a touchdown as well. The defense had a sack, two interceptions, and a fumble recovery. So a very quality quality day turnover-wise. Points-wise, no for the defense. But again, the sack, the two interceptions, and the fumble recovery do help Carson Wentz had a rough one 27 of 51 for 231 yards three touchdowns two interceptions did add 11 rushing yards but a very meh day from Wentz who has been on fire as of recently Jonathan Taylor doing his usual thing 16 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown added three catches for 52 yards not really sure why this guy's not getting 20 plus touches easily each game interesting Michael Pittman Again, looking like a great breakout candidate in his sophomore year. I had a feeling this would happen. 10 catches for 86 yards and 2 touchdowns. Very solid day from him and for fantasy owners. Jack Doyle had 2 catches for 12 yards and a touchdown. The defense did have 3 sacks and 2 interceptions, but they do fall short in the end. Again, a final score of 34, Titans Colts 31. This was a crazy game. The Jets take down the Bengals, thirty-four to thirty-one. Same score as the other game, but two very different teams in two very different positions. Mike White is the story of this game. He had he went thirty-seven of forty-five with four hundred five yards and three touchdowns. He did throw two interceptions, but a very good day for a Jets quarterback. Something we don't see often. So there was a better who said that Mike White would lead the NFL in passing in week 8, and he put $1,000 down on it for a payout of 125000 and it came down to last night with Mahomes and Daniel Jones playing against each other, and neither of them got 405 yards. Thus, the guy did pay out a whopping $125,000, so congratulations to him, courtesy of Mike White. Michael Carter, running back, finally starting to get more touches, out-carrying everybody else on the team, had 15 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. And he added nine catches for 95 yards, something that fantasy owners who started him love. He has become a must-start every single week simply due to the passing value. Jameson Crowder had eight catches for 84 yards. Ty Johnson, the other running back, had five catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. Rookie Elijah Moore had six catches for 67 yards. Decent day from him. Still trying to break out a bit. Quarterback situation obviously isn't helping him out. Oh well. Defense had three sacks, one interception, and limits the Bengals to 31 points, which is enough to secure the win. Joe Burrow, on the other hand, had a rough one. 21 of 34 with 259 yards. Did have three touchdowns to only one pick, but the completion percentage in yards just weren't quite there for Joe Joe Mixon had 14 carries for 33 yards, mostly stymied on the ground, but he did have a touchdown. And then he also added four catches for 58 yards and another touchdown. So, a very decent day from him in totality. T. Higgins led the team with four catches, not the catches, but the yards. He had 97 yards off those four catches. Tyler Boyd had five catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. Also, he added 46 passing yards as well. The defense had two sacks, two sacks, two interceptions. Just not. White enough to beat the lowly Jets, crazy stuff, but congratulations to Mike White on the win, and a very solid career day for him, this, not being biased, was a crazy game to watch, I from start to finish, it was just wow, uh, unfortunate things unfolded, but we move on, The Saints beat the Bucs 36-27. Jameis Winston obviously out for the season with a torn ACL and MCL damage. Tragic. As a Saints fan, I love what he has brought to the team this year. He has been absolutely phenomenal. Really sad to see him get hurt. Hopefully this team brings him back next year and the team continues to win for him. He went 6-10 for with 56 yards and a touchdown and 4 carries for 40 yards before he went down with the injury. For those who don't know... There's a reason why horse collar tackles are illegal, why they get flagged. Devin White put it on him, and you can tell that he seriously injured his knee as soon as that tackle took place. I'd like to think it was a dirty play, obviously, because it's illegal, but things happen. Trevor Simeon comes in and takes his place and does a decent job, enough to get us the win. He He went 16 for 29 with 159 yards and a touchdown. Alvin Kamara had 19 carries for 61 yards. Not... The greatest day on the ground, not the greatest day for him in, 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 for usual. He also had, also had a touchdown on the ground. He had three catches for 15 yards, pretty limited most of the day. Traquan Smith had three catches for 33 yards and a touchdown. Alex Arma, fullback, had a receiving touchdown, just that one catch for one yard, but it was a touchdown. The defense had three sacks, two interceptions, and a fumble recovery, very quality day from the Saints, obviously. They put the Bucs on ice with that game ceiling. Pick six from PJ Williams. Tom Brady did have a decent day, though. He went 28 for 40 with 375 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, and a lost fumble. The team totaled 14 carries for 71 yards. Good average, just no big time plays. Uh, Giovanni Bernard had the longest carry of the day, I believe. Chris Godwin, 8 catches for 140 yards and a touchdown. That's a massive day from him. Mike Evans had 2 catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. There should have been another touchdown, but Tom Brady overthrew him. And it was very shocking to see because he usually doesn't miss those kind of passes. But he did. The defense only had 1 sack, no turnovers. So the Saints played clean ball and secure the win. Despite Jameis Winston being out for the season, 36-27. Moving on, we got our outstanding performers as per usual. Obviously, for quarterback Mike White, got to put him on there. The 405 yards, the three touchdowns, and getting a win against the Mangles, who are one of the better teams currently in the AFC. That is a great day from a guy who was just thrusted into the starting role due to Zach Wilson's injury, so congratulations to him. Stafford makes another appearance on here. He had 300, touch- 300 yards and three touchdowns, no turnovers once again. He is playing super, super clean football while getting it done very efficiently. Josh Allen had 250-plus passing yards, two touchdowns. He also added 55 rushing yards and a touchdown. Great day from him. All three QBs get the win in Week 8. From running backs, Michael Carter just mentioned him. Has to be up here. He had 172 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. A career day from him. Great day. Congratulations to him. Austin Eckler had 120-plus scrimmage yards and a touchdown. And same with Jonathan Taylor, 120-plus scrimmage yards and a touchdown. No absolutely crazy performers this week. I think Michael Carter easily had it for running backs, but nothing absurd or eye-popping. As for wide receivers, A.J. Brown, already mentioned, had the 10 catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett looked absolutely unstoppable against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had 12 catches for 142 yards and was practically able to do whatever he wanted. Amari Cooper had 122 yards and a touchdown in their win against the Vikings. As for tight end, there was nothing crazy to see this week. Our best performer was TJ Hawkinson, had 10 catches for 89 yards, his most since week one. Those are our outstanding performers for week eight, and we will continue that in week nine. Moving on with what we have going on today at 4 o'clock is the trade deadline. Thus, I'm going to give you some trade deadline predictions and reasoning, of course. So first, Odell Beckham does not get moved. I think that when Baker Mayfield's healthy, and so are the running backs, both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, this is a playoff team. I don't think Kevin Stefanski is willing enough to get rid of their wide receiver one when healthy, of course when they are currently in a potential playoff situation. Obviously, they aren't playing well right now and at the bottom of their division, but it is a tight division, and the AFC is looking awfully weak this year, and there's an expanded playoff, so they have every reason to try and make the playoffs. They are still a good team. Odell Beckham, while I don't think he's clearly what he used to be, and he's obviously a shell of his former self, he still adds value to this team whether it is drawing coverage or not. I think that he does not get moved. I think that If he were to get moved, the Browns would be looking for at least a second round pick is what I'd guess, and I'm not so sure that at this point in Odell's career with declining stats and declining health, that a team would be willing to give up even a second round pick, maybe a third, most likely a fourth. He is just not worth it. Would I like to see the Saints go out and grab him? Sure, I think it would be huge for us, but I don't think it happens. I don't think a lot of teams are really aiming to get Odell, and they have made it clear that they really don't want to trade Odell. So, that is why I believe he does not get moved. On the other note, Brandon Cooks goes to the Packers in my prediction. Uh Now, the Texans have said that they would preferably like to keep him. But, I think a good enough offer will be on the board to the point where they will trade him. The Packers are in dire need of a solid wide receiver too. Unfortunately, Alan Lazard, he's good, but he's not a wide receiver too. Martez valdez scaling, obviously not either. Robert Tanyan's now out for the year with a torn ACL, I believe. And who am I missing? Randall Cobb. He's older. He's older. And while he did have a good game against the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football, he's just not a number two anymore. So Brandon Cooks would be a nice complimentary add for Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams pretty much able to work all around the field. Brandon Cooks would alleviate a lot of pressure off of him. I think it's a must. You know, if this is really Aaron Rodgers' last last dance, according to him, you got to give him what he needs. Uh, they failed to do that throughout the draft. Now, hopefully they don't fail to do that with the trade deadline. This next one is pretty bold, in my opinion. I don't actually think it happens, but I think it would be huge for this team. I think the Patriots should land Allen Robinson... I like what Mac Jones has done this year. He's playing very, very smart football, but I would like to see the Patriots let him loose, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But unfortunately, he doesn't really have the assets to let one loose. I mean, right now he's rocking with, you know, Nelson Aguilar, Nikhil Harry, Kendrick Bourne as his wide receivers. And while he does have good tight ends in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, he just does not have a legitimate number one. Now, Allen Robinson is having the worst year of his career, out in Chicago I mean he's averaging what less than 40 yards a game it's poor he's getting about four or five targets a game obviously they're in the transition of making Justin Fields the franchise quarterback and he's not looking amazing so far so I think Allen Robinson he just needs to get out of there and I think that the best place for him would be the Patriots give Mac Jones a young quarterback who is doing very well so far, and is probably the best quarterback in the class so far, they need to let him loose. And by doing so, they need Allen Robinson. Next, I have the Bucks actually making a trade, not for someone, but to get rid of somebody. Leonard Fournette has clearly taken over the running back one rule, and he has been doing a very good job at it. Ronald Jones has had his struggles, and the Titans are losing Derrick Henry, while the Titans may have picked up AP, Ronald Jones is probably the better option here. He's younger. He's more spry. I could just see that that run game thriving better with Ronald Jones. He's also a bit versatile, can get you catches. I think this makes the most sense. Ronald Jones wouldn't garner too much value either. I'm thinking like a fourth to fifth round pick, Maybe. So we'll check in on that, but I think Ronald Jones to the Titans would be an amazing move for, honestly, both sides because the Bucs are clearly ready to get rid of Ronald Jones with the emergence of Leonard Fournette. You know, Giovanni Bernard's a good third down back when you need a pass catcher, so their situation is fine. So And the Titans clearly need a running back, so this would be the perfect match for each other. Continuing, another running back, I think the Chargers need to bolster their run game a bit. While Eckler is a good running back, he's not a guy who can tote 20 carries a game. He's just not big enough. He's not strong enough. I think he's a very good running back, very Alvin Kamara-esque with the receiving ability and, and being able to get chunk plays here and there, but they need somebody who can just bruise the defensive line. I think Marlon Mack's that kind of guy. As much as I like Josh Kelly, Justin Jackson, Roundtree, all the people that they have behind Eckler, none of them are as good as Marlon Mack, and I don't think Marlon Mack has a ton of trade value, Uh, especially with Jonathan Taylor clearly dominating touches in, in Indianapolis. He's the clear running back one. It's not even close anymore. He should be getting more carries, but that's a different topic for a different day. Marlon Mack has been showcased a few times where he has not done much. They have tried to get him a couple of carries here and there to you know, boost his value a bit, but it doesn't seem to be working. I think the Chargers would be very smart to pick him up. It's just addition. It's depth. It's somebody who can get you chunk plays here and there, really bruise the defense down, and then can hopefully take some pressure off Austin Eckler, who at times looks like he is doing more than he needs to do. It would just be the best, best decision for them. Lastly, Xavier Howard has been part of trade talks, especially, you know, we had the off-season drama with the contract and whether he was going to hold out, he didn't, and now the Dolphins suck, and he could very well get moved. I don't think he gets moved. I think he, he garners so much trade value. I mean, he's definitely worth a first-round pick, in my opinion. He's one of the top corners in the league. I just don't think that a team right now, is in extreme, dire need of a cor- uh, of a number one corner. The Cowboys and Vikings could be potential suitors, but neither of them, I think, make the move. And those are my trade predictions for this deadline. I don't think it's going to be a flashy, crazy deadline. Obviously, Melvin Ingram was already traded from the Steelers to the Chiefs. But that's about the craziest thing that's happened so far. Mark Ingram, obviously, back to the Saints. I love that. Brings the amazing energy that we so oh so missed. But, not, again, nothing crazy. So, moving on. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to switch it up. So, I have necessities for fringe playoff teams. And this is what I meant by the Patriots need to land Allen Robinson. Because I already said it twice, but... The necessity for the Patriots is that they need to let Mac Jones loose. Look, he was a big playmaker in college, and I know that's just college, and he had some amazing weapons. He had Devonta Smith. He had Jalen Waddle. He had great weapons, but he does not have that in New England, and unfortunately, he can't let loose with Nelson Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne. Maybe here and there, they get loose for one play, but I think Alan Robinson... You know, this is really pending Allen Robinson. If they trade for him, I think they let Mac Jones loose a little bit. They'd say, okay, you know, throw those jump balls. Right now, he does not have a guy to just, you know, to try and fit a tight window and just be like, all right, go out and get it. He doesn't have a guy like that, and that's what he needs. Unfortunately, I, I'm not so sure that the Patriots will land Allen Robinson. I really hope they do. It would make perfect sense. But I think for the Patriots to win more... I just feel like they're playing too too conservative. You know, their defense is good enough to, to keep them in games, obviously. But And Damian Harris has been a very, very good running back this year. He, he's For fantasy purposes, he's a running back too, which is very fine. And, and and he'll go out and get you like 100 yards every single week, if, if possible, on the ground. But in games where he's not doing that and the, the Patriots have to convert to pass, I just don't see fluidity. I don't see things... Coming together, so I think they need someone who is just an extremely reliable target, and that guy is Allen Robinson. And I think if it pending that trade, if it happens, then Mac Jones needs to be let loose. Less conservative football, more risky plays. That's what needs to happen for the Patriots. As for the Steelers, and I think they're already adjusting this so far. The Steelers need a game plan for Big Ben's weaknesses, which are clearly mobility and arm strength. Now. Juju not being here for the rest of the season really hurts because he was the guy who took all the underneath routes. Obviously, they still have Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool Najee Harris out of the backfield. They still have the weapons that they need to win. It's just a matter of them catering to Big Ben. Big Ben is clearly at the tail end of his career and should have probably retired before this season, did not, should probably retire after the, after this season. So far for this year, I mean, they just need to play game manager. The defense is obviously very good. There's no questioning that. But their defense can't, can only win them so much. And, you know, Cleveland this week was a good example of their defense winning that game. Limited Cleveland to 10 points. But I, I just think moving forward, and I, like I said, I think they're already doing it. They're catering to Big Ben. Uh, that's what needs to happen. He's clearly limited in what he's doing. He does not have the arm strength he once had. He's never had mobility, so that's not really a shocker. But, you know, more, you know, same, same thing, you know, these little crossing routes, Najee Harris out of the backfield, those are just what will help the Steelers play clean football as well. For the Chiefs, and I've talked about this before, specifically last week. Their defense is just awful. Now, the game against the Giants was clearly a step in the right direction. I'm not going to deny that. They, they allowed 17 points to the Giants, I believe, and got a huge sack uh, on the final drive against Daniel Jones. They get turnovers, blah, blah, blah. It's the Giants. No offense to the Giants and Daniel Jones, but they are prone to turnovers and are not the most fluid offense, obviously without some of their biggest playmakers, Saquon Barkley, for example. But the Chiefs' defense simply needs to be better. They are one of the worst in the NFL. They just traded for Melvin Ingram, so hopefully that does help a little bit. But their defense is getting torched, and their offense right now at least is not playing good enough to keep them in games. So realistically, that that's that's all that needs to be said. for. And it's crazy that the Chiefs are even on this list as a fringe playoff team. But that's how they're playing this year, and it's interesting to see after being you know, one of the NFL's biggest powerhouses for the past two years, they have definitely taken a step down. Run defense, just not there. Was better last night, but still not quite there. Pass defense, letting up way too many chunk plays here and there. They just got it. They got to fix some things. Vikings, they need Kirk Cousins to play smarter Way too many times on Sunday night football against the Cowboys did I see open receivers and him just sticking with the game plan. I understand that, you know, you're probably going to have a defensive player right in your face if you're trying to run, you know, a little a little running back screen because all the offensive linemen are already shifting to the left. I understand that when you see that happens, you panic, you throw the ball into the RB's feet, don't want to create a turnover. But on that play, I saw Adam Thielen wide open wide open for a first down, and that's all they needed was a first down. They did not get it. And I think Kirk Cousins needs to not improvise, but needs to just evaluate what is going on. I understand he doesn't have a ton of time, but there were so many similar plays where he's looking at his first read and is sticking with his first read instead of looking all the way across the field, and that is just simply not smart football. Now, we do know that Kirk Cousins is not very good in prime time, whether it's Monday night football, Thursday night football, or Sunday night football. He just is not good in prime time. But the fact that he just got outplayed by Cooper Rush says so much and speaks volumes to how Kirk Cousins actually played in this game. He played so, so poorly. They need him to, and and it's not just like the physical attributes. Obviously, he's not a running quarterback. He doesn't have a cannon. But they just need him to play smart. Obviously, Jay Jettas, Justin Jefferson getting hurt and being in and out of the game was not ideal either. But overall, the Kirk, Kirk Cousins just needs to, he just needs to be better. He needs to play a little bit smarter. As for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be moved and Trey Lance needs to start. I'm not necessarily saying that Trey Lance will lead this team to the playoffs, but he could potentially be the jolt that this team needs. This team is just gray. They lack no color. It's very, very boring football. Elijah Mitchell has been their lone bright spot this year along with you know Debo Samuel's breakout season, but Outside of that, they don't have much. Kittle hopefully comes back next week. They are in dire need of another playmaker, uh, receiving playmaker. I think their run game is fine, but when you when Debo Samuels the only guy's able to guard, you know generate anything on, on on offense, it's a shame. Brandon Ayuk, obviously, where has he been? He's not really getting you know thrown into these plays a bit either, even though he's very, very talented, so I'm not sure what's going on with that situation. But I think that Trey Lance, you know, he at least adds the rushing value. And this is a run first team, clearly. Jimmy Garoppolo just lacks that extra oomph that this team needs. And they're in a very, very tight spot in their division with the Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks, obviously not looking too great with Russell without Russell Wilson. But you know, when it comes back, they can manage a five hundred record, you know, they're still in the mix technically. But Trey Lance could be the spark. I'm telling you, he could. And if he's not, then you're at least letting your you know rookie quarterback get some experience. I don't think the 49ers are really in a position to make the playoffs this year, but while they still are a fringe playoff team, I think that that's what they need needs to happen needs to happen, and it could could work out for him. You never know. Lastly, the Panthers are clearly desperate to get CMC back. Their primary source of offense, Sam Darnold, is starting to go downhill. DJ Moore is not getting the targets he once was, which is crazy because he was so good the first couple of weeks. And Sam Darnold has just been awful lately. PJ Walker is not very good either. Unfortunately, you know, former Temple alumni, this is a podcast brought to you by Temple University, but he is not very good. I hate saying that, but he's not. And then the the defense has either been amazing or, or awful. They lack consistency. There's a couple of things here that need to happen. It is a tight NFC race. There are so many good teams, and the Panthers are technically still in the mix. But clearly, this team it, it just needs CMC. They need that safety blanket that CMC is. And, and again, with the the consistency from the defense, one game they're good, one game they're bad. I mean, pick one. It, it's interesting because I do think they have the necessary defensive players to succeed. You know, they pick up Gilmore, they have JC Horn, who I'm not quite sure is back from injury yet, but they have good players. Jeremy Chen, Derek Brown, they have good players. They just need to be a bit more consistent. And that is it for necessities for fringe playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Lastly, our locked-in and outside picks. We move to 12 and 2 after last week unfortunately the Colts could not get that upset win lose by three points very unfortunate was hoping the Colts could pull off that upset especially with bye weeks you know everyone going on their bye weeks very hard to find a good upset win and, and you know hopefully predict it right uh, it was a couple of this ones this week's gonna be tough too I wanted to be a bit risky but just trying to have fun with it and while we'll still be good at it but For this week, my locked-in pick is the Rams over the Titans. The Titans, suffering a major loss without Derrick Henry, will look to get a running back before their game against the Rams. While the Titans are still a good team and have A.J. Brown and maybe Julio comes back, I think the Rams win this game comfortably. They look flawless. They're playing very good football. Not much to say. They're my locked-in pick. And as for the upset, I saw enough from the Giants last week against the Chiefs. You know, only a three-point game, I believe. On Monday Night Football, I saw saw enough from the Giants to think that the Raiders might actually lose to them. Hopefully, Saquon could potentially come back this week. I don't think it happens. But, you know, maybe they get a couple of receivers back. You know, Sterling Shepard finally fully healthy. I know he played last game, but he needs to be fully healthy. There's a couple of guys who are just banged up. Whole team's kind of just banged up. But... I think the Giants could beat the Raiders. It's going to be a tight one. I think the Giants' defense needs to play some very stout football, but I think it is more than possible. So, again, my locked-in pick is the Rams over the Titans, and my upset pick is the Giants over the Raiders. That is going to, gonna oh, my goodness, stutter. That is going to conclude this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed. I love doing this podcast. I love talking football. It's the same thing every week. Obviously, we switch up the segment, but it's just football in the end. And I love every second of it. I love the NFL community. I love rooting for football players, teams, Saints, go Saints, obviously. But I hope you guys enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoy recording it. So I will catch you guys next week. And I just have one last question. Of course, are you down to football?